I'm going to start doing enunciation exercises before every podcast. The lips, Topeka, the teeth. Kansas. Topeka, Kansas. The, the lips, the teeth, the tip of the tongue, the tip of the tongue, the teeth, the lips. Unique New York. Unique New York. There's one. To sit in solemn silence in a dull, dark dock in a pestilential prison with a lifelong lock awaiting the sensation of a short, sharp shock Ooh. a cheap and chippy chopper on a big black block. Ooh! <laughs> Peter Piper picked a peck of pickle peppers. A Peter a peck of pickle peppers. Peter Piper picked. All right. Good morning. Uh, and now for your feature presentation. Good morning, and uh, welcome to our Weekly Wiseman, the Weekly Wiseman podcast where we watch weekly the films of Frederick Wiseman and then talk about them. My name is B. Peterson, I'm your host, and with me as always is... Harold Urtiaga, um, master student at UT, but who knows for how much longer. That's not relevant anymore, we're not in Austin, we're in Paris, baby! Yeah, we're yeah, right. we're buddy, buddies in Paris, like yeah. the Kanye West and Jay-Z song. Um, uh <laughs> I don't know who these people are. I don't listen to to music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I should start a, a music side pod. Uh, I should yeah. try to dip my dip my feelers into into that one next. When it when it comes to music, I listen to outside of film scores, which accounts for like ninety percent of it. Uh, Bob Dylan, Queen, Sticks, The Beatles, like just the most mainstream people. And, like and the I, only, I mean, Dad Rock, essentially, is what you've named here. <laughs> yeah, it, it true. I mean, and yes, it was a lot of it. Like I remember the specific moment when Dad first played like uh, Queen's Greatest Hits Volume Whatever, mm-hmm. and I like listening back to back. Who wants to live forever? And the show must go on. And I'm like, this is good stuff. Yeah. Like <laughs> my my favorite Queen song maybe controversially is mm-hmm. uh the the prophet song which is like this 8 minute just weird loopy uh, uh trippy 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 song it's is really that good. is that off like queen 2 no that's from the same album as uh that's as bohemian rhapsody the a night at the, the opera night at the opera yeah oh yeah it's 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 it leads perfectly into uh love of my life nice i think um, my I, I always have some like hipster pick for my favorite Queen song. The song called Cool Cat. It's kinda well known. Okay. But I don't think a lot of people know it. And it doesn't sound like your traditional Queen song. But it's off yeah. the same album that Under Pressure is. That one. Right. I don't remember what it's called. It's good. Yeah. Um also off uh Night at the Opera. Is that the one with good old fashioned lover boy, or is that Day at the Races? My, that must be day at the race. I have a foggy knowledge of Queen's discography because mm. I I also had a I, I had a very strong Queen phase very early on in my life, um, yeah. which you know let's not even get into Rami Malek and Bohemian Rhapsody because that's that's yeah its I, I was own, I was yeah. gonna mention that the Prophet song does make a cameo in the film Bohemian Rhapsody. It's in that one of the bajillion montages in that film where they're recording um, a night at the opera and they're like swinging the microphone back and forth with the law law law. That's from the Prophet song. Yeah, I would um, pay any any amount of money to watch the any footage from the Sacha Baron Cohen 
uh, oh, sort yeah. of iteration of it. Um, yeah, I would have loved to see a good. You, I would pay money to see a good version of that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 it's really like it comes maybe down one that to... doesn't shame Rami Malek and blame his death on his homosexuality. Yeah, and and I think listen once again, <laughs> or I'm, bisexuality. I'm, I'm trying to not get like libel sued mm-hmm. here but I, I it feels like a lot you of you and it... your your fear of libels <laughs> i know working in broadcast radio makes you afraid <laughs> for <laughs> what people could the legal action that people could could take uh, uh against you but what do you want to talk about brian singer or... <laughs> uh well no i see brian singer well documented uh, you know atrocities but i think the the guitarist of queen brian may uh yeah. as in his role as producer and like the essentially the person who like has the film rights yeah and or has some significant stipulation in his contract that allows him uh you know some degree of creative control over the 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 queen film that was mm-hmm. uh, had negative ramifications for the movie because for sure he, i mean yeah like yeah. the the whole point the whole build-up of the, one of the climaxes of the film is like i really do need you guys i am nothing without the rest of my band and kind of thing and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and and brian may you know completely sanitizing his own story as depicted in, in the film and sort of making yeah. him seem like but, a completely blameless normal cool dude which he's yeah he's none of those things but we're not here to talk about bohemian rhapsody man we're here to talk about la dance Mm -hmm. (laughs) la dance is the 2009 film from frederick wiseman uh as all as are all of his films it is available on canopy um it's two and a half hours and it is a depiction of the paris opera house ballet um it's specifically uh, somewhere. It, I never was able to get a handle on the exact dates. I didn't do the research like down into looking at old schedules for the Paris Opera, like performance schedules to see when this was all happening. But I, based on uh, context of it as to when the film that was he made before this was filmed and Boxing Gym, which was made presumably after, somewhere in the 2005 to 2006 um, season. Um uh, they also mentioned because like how they plan five years in advance and at one point early on in the film that they've got everything planned up to 2011. So somewhere in the 2006 range is what we're seeing. And yeah, it is the goings on of the Paris Opera House Ballet. And it is quite the spectacle. Yes. Uh, and immediately apparent is... Uh, well, number one, it starts at like literally the boiler room, so in like the basement mm-hmm. of the opera. Interesting house. choice, and it, and towards the end we re- return there. Yeah, and and yeah, it, it kind of like snakes its way up. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of stairway shots that mm-hmm. stood out to me in this in this one. I don't know why. They uh, they kind of serve as the interstitials, like yeah, moving yeah. down hallways, up and down stairs to get go between the different rehearsal rooms. Right. You, yeah. You very rarely leave the the building proper. And only then it's kind of to admire it as you know the sun sets, it goes to nighttime, and then it's day again. Uh, and it's it's a beautiful you know work Gorgeous of architecture. Movie. Yeah. Oh my god. And yeah, the, especially the the also the stage area, um, which mm-hmm. really sort of stands in sharp contrast to how functional and almost like run down the hallways and everything that's not the kind of main right. outside and performance area look like. Um, very old old building and and they yes. kind of want you to know um that it's very old this is an institution 
Yes, and I I will say, um, boxing gym has you know the, the the movie that we watched before. You know, if you're just hopping into the podcast for the first time, listen to our episode. First of, of all, gym. welcome. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> listen to our episode, of boxing gym. Um, I with with Richard Lord's boxing gym, like there was so little administrative stuff, right? That I <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, damn, is this why it's one of my favorites <laughs> is this why boxing gym is one of my favorites so far um but i was like yeah I, I didn't i didn't really miss it i understand why it's there obviously and it's you know always interesting these like small moments the small tensions the negotiation the cycles of of of, of, of having to get money never having enough money uh right. that we see over and over again um you know people working with each other in a in a you know professional capacity and and administrative yeah, yeah yeah and and really nothing nothing else right um well i mean it's a little bit different depending on on where you go cuz as as we see here uh there i think and i i've seen reviews that have like sort of verbalized this better than i can a big important part of this is how everybody in their respective roles conceptualizes uh ballet its significance as an artistic medium and also the the minutia of the movements uh of 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 the craft itself and how that is translated from action to word if that makes sense okay because <laughs> um, i'm not totally sure i follow because because uh the, there's it, it happens you know in the administrative scenes uh, in, in sort of talking about the importance of, of, of the work they're doing and the sort of schools, you know, that these troop members, the uh, artistic schools that these troop members kind of follow, right? Uh, but also in practices and rehearsals themselves, just the way that they talk about, you know, the way that they convey to each other what, like, for example, the director wants somebody to do the, the best example that i can think of is somebody being like uh this piece that we're doing is like uh uh x-men <laughs> it's like edward scissorhands oh, yeah, yeah um, there's that one there's that one great bit yeah and and, and and it, there's like uh you know delivering the notes after a performance uh mm -hmm. and sometimes words fail and a guy is just like yeah you do this and you do this and just like pantomiming and grunting is really the only way to 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 sort of express uh what you want your dancers to do <laughs> yeah because there's no way to to, to put it mm -hmm. yeah no this is a very i mean maybe more than anything else we've seen from this is a you could you could just turn the sound off with this movie and just watch it um uh there it is like boxing gym. It is all the the center the centerpiece of the film is physicality, um, and people doing these incredible feats of of performance and and yeah and like you you talk about like the 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 administrative uh, bureaucracy scenes. What I think stood out to me is really how straightforward this film is in terms of of its content there are really only four kinds of scenes there's set the rehearsal scenes which account for maybe three quarters to like the 75 to 80 percent of this movie is just rehearsal and people rehearsing with their instructors um we see s s people doing it alone people doing it 
with instructor uh, duets. Yeah, tech rehearsal to, from the booth. Yeah, and then and then large ensemble um, uh, stuff like practicing stretches and plies and all that jazz. Then we have uh, the performance scenes, and there are maybe a half a dozen in total in mm-hmm. the film, maybe five or six, and they're all extended. They're the longest scenes of the film. Is just watching the people perform. Then you have what I called the Bridget scenes. Now, Bridget is the artistic director of the pal- uh, the, the Paris ba- Opera Ballet House. And whenever she appears, it's to talk about, like, talking with the instructors about encouraging students to try different techniques. Um, uh, at one point, they talk about uh, scheduling some, some tour for the Americans. Um, and her on the phone with people. That account, that's, there, are, there are maybe only a dozen of those at most. Um, and they're all pretty short. Um, and then you have a few brief costuming scenes of, of the people working on costumes. And, love those. Uh, yeah, and those those are all lovely. I don't but think, uh, yeah, because you don't really get that, you know, extreme uh, close-ups, that level of extreme close-up in a lot of Wiseman movies, I feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I don't know if he has to break out the macro lens. Yeah, and especially since... Not, like 90% of this movie is in very wide shots as opposed to something like Boxing Gym which feels very very intimate we are in large open spaces um, be they the very large rehearsal rooms which feel even larger because of the mirrors um, or we are um, in the in the auditorium itself which is gigantic like we are in very large spaces with very wide wide shots and then when yeah when then when we go into the boardrooms or the costuming and we get those super close-ups on people like sewing jewelry into a costume then yeah that is a very good it's a it's a really great contrast so many sequins um, so many sequins bless yeah. these people <laughs> for all the sequins um, they put on yeah it's i was this i was so taken by this film this is this is up there this is like this is the top tier Wiseman for me and just because of how I mean this was the first film that my mom actually wanted to watch with me it's like a movie about ballet and I'm like she's yeah um, that's that's all it's gonna be and she's like okay and she loved this movie just watching the people rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and it's just so gorgeous so riveting it's it's impossible to scrap to describe on a podcast but just this the sheer physicality of of these dancers is astounding and and it's so lovely to see men in tights <laughs> um, you never get to see that right and not not not, not in a not in a Bell, mel brooks movie that has that phrase in the title um but yeah in in that way uh you know this boxing gym and crazy horse kind of form a loose trilogy right Mm -hmm. yeah they kind of do but but yeah i i i I do agree that that this one absolutely uh stands out uh Mm -hmm. and when it comes to the numbers themselves it was like an interesting mix of like more classical ballet pieces and the nutcrackers there of course but also Obviously. like experimental yeah. stuff mm-hmm. uh reminded me a lot of the the Suspiria remake if you oh, ever yeah. watched Oh yeah no it. I was totally thinking it's like I I'm kind of in the mood to watch Suspiria after yeah. this the 2018 one which I kind of like better than the original. Like the original is gorgeous. Like the visuals obviously are stunning on all levels, but 
I actually could get into the story, and there's actual dancing in the remake. Um, Luca Guadagnino did a brilliant job in able to do something completely different. Um, and, like, going into all the politics of the time with, with the, uh, like, like, I don't remember what decade it is, but, like, German local German politics um, stuff. And, obviously, Tilda Swinton is giving three separate crazy performances, so... Yeah, I uh, think I still like the the first one a little bit better. Oh, sure. Just just, just for it, it's it's a midnight. <laughs> I know I'm in the minority yeah, on that. It's midnight movie qualities, and like the like climax of that film with like the red tinting and the like shutter speed stuff mm-hmm. uh, didn't entirely mesh for me. Uh, okay. But I love yeah so much of the like I I, I like the central number. And the Tom York score and the sort of mm-hmm. brooding that uh, uh, is it Dakota Johnson who's in that? Yes, yeah, a- a- yeah, and, and and Tilda Swinton. She's great. Yeah, the 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 way they stare at each other from across the table, the like crash zooms. There's plenty to love about the Suspiria mm-hmm. remake. Uh, I, yeah. I I you know, I'm, I'm that on the boat climax there. is just so out there. Yeah, <laughs> like let's go full Yonic imagery, baby. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, uh, definitely, the, yeah, and then the number that uh, reminded me the most of it, and I'm sure this is probably what, what brought it to mind for you, too, was this one where it is like a, it is a, a abstraction, a dance interpretation of like a woman committing infanticide. Uh, oh. She has like a bucket of blood oh, and she's got, yeah, two, two kids standing there and she's just moving everywhere. Her She's flailing, you know, fake blood splattering everywhere. She like uh, rubs the kids' arms with the blood mm-hmm. and then puts empty buckets on their heads and then lays them down. <laughs> and then there's just this cacophony of noises the entire time. And then she like sits down and the goes quiet. It goes to this like high pitched uh you know i don't even know how to describe the noises that are coming out of my tv during, during this period uh but yeah. but the realization you know of the act uh sort of sinks in uh mm-hmm. it, during that quiet moment that that, that follows uh, that scene that scene out of all of out of the entire film that is the one that is not left my mind yeah um, because like we get like your Nutcracker, your classical ballet. The first performance we see is just a duet on a stage, and it's it's very it's very classical. Um, very some of it is sensual, some of it is very uh, 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 regal. And then we just have this modern stuff. Like there's some modern ballet performances that um, that are just like just so in, so intense and cool. And then we get these more story based bits where it's just raw and terrifying that that bit with with the kids like what's so crazy about that scene is that Wiseman chooses to go in very tight framing um we don't get like with with like the nutcracker and the other stuff we've got very wide shots so we can see them moving around the stage and everything but that one like he chooses to like okay we're gonna go in on our feet and then we're gonna pan up and like all of these these very specific framing choices that were that heightened for me like uh uh wallace sean um this is i'm throwing in some foreshadowing here for an up our upcoming big project but wallace sean talked about when he's talking about um uh theater is like theater is everything that's left out of the recording like what makes theater theater is what you can't get 
um, when you're watching a video of a performance. And so I was thinking about that while watching this and mean like what it must be like to be in that room watching this stuff happen must be so affecting. But even so, by Wiseman choosing to very carefully, very deliberately not just hold a wide shot so that we can see it, but to choose framing and to choose close-ups in, in, in certain scenes like it's all one long shot he doesn't cut but like in in choosing to frame very deliberately it was like that really just got to me absolutely just like close up on this woman's face and she is like her face is white she is like her eyes are dead like there's so much going on her performance that you wouldn't be able to see if you were up up in the in the nosebleeds yeah and so very much reminded me of that painting of, of ivan the terrible and his son, uh, mm-hmm. he's he's gripping his son's head. He's bleeding because he just whacked him with something uh, very yeah. hard. Uh, and and the, <sighs> the, the, the yeah, the look of terror on his face. Uh, but yeah, the, the the she walks away and like you said, it, it's focusing on her feet. And the, there's there's fake blood everywhere. It leaves bloody footprints. And that's not something you could easily see from the audience. I'm guessing. So mm-hmm. so definitely uh, gives us a bit more than or, or something different than if we were seeing it on stage even though it may not be as as affecting because i'm sure it was terrifying uh to sit oh, there yeah and this is like maybe the worst comparison i can make but uh, yeah what wallace sean talks about you know the 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 aura of of the live performance right and something that's not the the reason that theater still exists in it you know, we don't just watch movies or recorded performances. Probably the exact reason why Cats the Musical is popular uh, and has continued to be popular. And right? why the film fails. Exactly. <laughs> is is because somehow... the, the, the Well, this... the film fails for a bajillion different reasons. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, not, not the least of which is the tiny cockroach children that uh, uh, are... Yeah. That yeah, are... I... I... I um... Sorry to interrupt, but just the oh, you're uh, you're sorry, you're interrupting another tangent that I'm going on about a movie involving anthropomorphic cats. <laughs> why does this keep happening on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, why? Like What's we just wrong talked about me? the Cat in the Hat on Fossbinder, and now we're <laughs> talking about cats. But but just I just I I watched that film uh, a couple months ago. Yeah, I was just super, super depressed and like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna listen to the critically acclaimed uh, commentary track while watching this movie and live tweet it. And I still gotta say that the eight minute uh, uh, wordless sequence, the cat and cats in heat uh, uh, dance sequence in that film, like, it's it's genuinely moving. Um, <laughs> it's that's the, to I I literally William Bibiani. Thank you for this. He he made a gif for me that I I that based on a meme I made and it's John Mulaney going where he you know he's like this is the height of luxury and it's like this is the height of cinema and that that 8 minute s- sequence in cats is the height of cinema. <laughs> and not the not the scene where Jason Derulo almost licks licks toes, almost sucks no, toes on screen. Too. Yeah, I um, I don't hate that. I don't hate cats. I think it's I think it's rather on its on a certain level. It's, it's kind of charming. It's not no, like I, we're I, like, oh yes, this is amazing. It's just like I kind of like some of the stuff. All the fat phobia is disgusting. Yeah, and, and I and I could have done a better job than James Corden. Um, in, oh on no, that role. I, James Corden is horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
yeah uh just let's go back ge- to the in, dance in general uh no, i was gonna say i i yeah i'm i'm in that boat because i i went the first time i saw it was at a rowdy screening uh okay so i, I saw it in a nearly empty theater <laughs> completely mm-hmm. opposite experiences but when the pandemic first started i within the span of a month i watched it like three times it was bad <laughs> i was in a dark place um but yeah uh... back to the other the dance the non-cat dance Man, the good dance. Yeah, uh, we just kind of very energetically went into so many of the points that I wanted to make about this movie. Mm-hmm. That now sitting here on the other end of our cats discussion, I'm like, okay, what so else? The, yeah, the cafeteria, right? Am I right? Mm-hmm. They got good food there. Good yeah, food. yeah. I made the mistake of watching this uh, without eating dinner, and I was like, oh. oh. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, I'll just I'll just rattle off a couple things. Um, this was shot on film, as I'm assuming all of the rest of our the films that we review on this podcast will be. Yeah, but this because um, but it's in gym, one it's 185 exactly. Yeah, it's, it's widescreen and and, and boxing gym cool. seems to be like 16 millimeter. Yeah, no, that that was like that was Academy ratio, very mm-hmm. square, and I think it works. I think that just I think it works for boxing gym to have this very square, very tight feeling, and then with with La Dance to have this very wide feeling. Um, it, yeah. it I think that 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 both choices work brilliantly. Um, but also, I don't know how yeah how much of it like comes down to the funding that their respective mm-hmm. agency you know uh, gives to Wiseman. Because I don't know who, right. who funded the you know La Dance, but Boxing Gym was like PBS. Yeah, and you know when you think of PBS, you don't think of money. Um, mm-hmm. So, and then yeah, the credits of this film were in French, which makes me think that some French right. broadcasting, public broadcasting, uh, was was interested in in having Wiseman do this film for them. Also, but I, I thought it was just a cute touch. You know, even if he had to do it, that the credits were in French for this one. Well, I th- well, it is a. I think it is categorized as a French film technically, um, because it, I, the I think all the funding did come from France. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the original title is in French, um, like uh, La Danse les Ballets de l'Opéra de Paris. I don't know French. My French is terrible, as you can tell. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, and there, and I, what I did notice is I always like to sit through the credits because he always has some interesting choice for what go, like sound or images go over them. Um, and th- very, I think this is the by far the longest credit sequence that we've had, um, on on any of his movies. It was like it was like a good like five minutes of credits. Um, it's all set to beautiful music. Um, that from the stuff uh a couple a couple other notes uh since th- we are in a, a lot of mirrored spaces because that's what dance rehearsal spaces look like uh we get to see the cameraman uh uh like uh, maybe a dozen times like off in the corner you can see the tripod or you can see the shadow of, of the cameraman in one scene like so that that was neat i never caught wiseman never caught wiseman but um Though I did think I I thought I saw him like at the dinner that they had post one of the performances, um I thought I saw him at sitting at one of the tables, but I I don't think it was him. Um, but it was just maybe it's just some older guy. Right? Yeah, um, it could be any old French ball dude. Like, uh, they're all just kind of built like him. 
Um, yeah, but but it it was it was nice to 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 see the see the camera in uh, uh, in one of the uh, administrative scenes. A guy keeps looking at the camera, um, <laughs> and they keep cutting as soon as he does. That'd, um, that'd be me. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, this is it's it's a film like I I call them the Bridget scenes. Bridget is really the only person that we learn the name of in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the all the instructors, all of the dancers, they'll occasionally mention a name like Emily or Muriel. And if you go, you look through the credits or you go on Wikipedia, you can see the names of all the main dancers that are shown in the film. But like for the most part, like it's just it's just people talking about movement and like there's not really any there's no never any small talk in this movie. It's just the work, um, and yeah, I that simplicity i think really just helps streamline this movie turn into this this straightforward beautiful performance piece yeah um, and, and at one point bridget speaks to you know the sort of level of of rigor or i guess level of performance that's expected from the people uh they're like obviously nobody's going to be you know be perfect uh nobody c- can achieve that level of perfection but we are among the best uh, mm-hmm. For a good reason. reason for it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and and seeing you know everybody, yeah, just seeing the, the the sort of directness with which they they command or or the control that they have over their bodies and the directness with which they extend you know their various limbs mm-hmm. uh, is yeah impressive. Yeah, no, the the scene that you you just mentioned where Bridget is Bridget is talking to like all of the dancers they're all seated they're having like an, an assembly <laughs> um uh but the the guy he's like a manager of some kind is talking about and this just fascinated me about their retirement and their pensions and securing securing those rights and i just and it was at that moment that i realized like wait these people are all state sponsored performing artists like this is a and it just it wrecked me because I was like, these people live in a world where performing arts is valued by the country, by the nation, by the state, and that they fund performing arts. And like after 40, these people have pensions for the rest of their lives. And I'm like, oh, my word. Yeah. I hate capitalism. Yeah, isn't that, isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? I know. Just yeah, like just going back to at Berkeley, where like these this is this is education. This should be available for everyone, and they're just fighting for money, and they're cutting people, and they're cutting spending, and adding fees, and all this stuff, and it's all this, all this BS red tape and extra money, and this, and then here we have those like utopias, like we can, you people are are secure. We're gonna make sure that you are all secure for the rest of your lives, and it's just ugh. Yeah, would love something like that. Period. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh man. Yeah, no. Um, and and it's just it was just beautiful. I I never could take my eyes off the screen. The performances, I especially were just all just so mesmerizing. Yeah, that bit where the dancers are like dressed up like nuns or something and they're all around a table and they're all oh, just screaming yeah. mm-hmm. that took me off guard i was watching this like in like my home's theaters out of downstairs yeah. and like i came up afterwards and they're like my parents were like 
were they screaming? Yeah, yeah. My, my, I was like, I, I watched it out yeah. in the living room. So my roommates were like, are you okay? Is everything okay out here? I'm like, yeah. Like, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's a, a whole bunch of them doing it, too. And then, yeah, it, they're like, like that's a, a scene that felt like it was right out of Suspiria. Yeah. And they're using, like, a trick table. So at mm-hmm. one point, one of the dancers pops in through the middle, through, like, a, a yeah, flap in the middle. Uh, yeah, really interesting. Uh, and you also get, like, no context for it. So you're like, huh. Mm, like, you never okay. get any context for the performances. Like, you right. can imply, like, there's a list on, like, Wikipedia. Like, these are the seven ballets that we that are performed during this time. Though, we I think we only see, like, four or five different uh, uh, performances. Um, but, yeah, no, it's just... The, you don't get context. You're just dropped in this world where, um, where people start doing crazy things <laughs> on stage. And yeah, that that scene with the nuns is where we get to see Emily, who we see maybe three or four different extended rehearsal scenes with just her and this instructor um, working together on this on this one routine. And then we get to see that routine in the in that nun that that one convent scary freaky performance yeah uh insidious the nun film Mm -hmm. the ballet adaptation uh yeah um you you have much more to say i mean i could talk for an hour about how thirsty i was for some of these (laughs) these people these people in tights yeah (laughs) yeah and and i I like there's there's uh, one shot where like this guy is just in underwear like just these white uh uh like short 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 shorts and they are tight like they are skin tight and you're just like oh my word we are only seeing the rear end i wonder what the other side looks like i mean they probably got their their little belts right to to not have it all out in god's world um (laughs) because yeah god knows that if i were to cosplay (laughs) (laughs) yeah if i were to thirst after this man too (laughs) man and yeah and yeah like it's all like they're all over each other and you know dancing with a partner you're just like throwing them around and like gripping their various body parts very hard yeah like obviously uh there is not there's a lot of physical activity of various levels yes um, in this film la dance there is a lot of physical activity in this film who would have thunk who would have thunk that poster that wise man he's so wacky what do you think of this stuff? Yeah. Yeah, Wiseman. I Yeah, he I mean we've had Crazy Horse, we've had the the gay uh gay club scene in in Jack in Jackson Heights. We've got we've got tight tights in La Dance. When are we going to get his 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 adult film? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah, uh Frederick Wiseman OnlyFans documentary. <laughs> if Fresman, Frederick Wiseman had an OnlyFans account where it's just like, <laughs> it's just inter, just interstitials, <laughs> just the interstitial shots from his films. Um, yeah. Honestly, I would subscribe to a Wiseman Patreon day one. Uh, oh, that included same. yeah, that included that included like. Uh, you know, left on the cutting room floor stuff. Yeah, like from like we talked about movies. this last week. Yeah. I want to see everything. Yeah, greatest. That would be the one of the most important archives in the world. Yeah, and and um, I am sure that that Zipporah Films, you know, records manager, 
is doing a, oh, yeah. a, a bang up job keeping them mm-hmm. keeping all this stuff in in check and preserved uh, yes we, we can hope but yeah yeah uh sort of great to go from boxing gym to this you know boxing is a blunt instrument and the ballet is like a finely honed a deft dagger. touch yeah yeah um you want to go to a uh, quantified vibe check yeah no no walsh watch this week he's sleeping oh no, yeah i don't care sleeping. yeah <laughs> uh my new conspiracy theory is that walsh is a failed jfk clone um and they just he was good enough to do politics that they let him out there out of the cloning facility uh and he's doing an okay, okay. job so far but he he has to rest a lot um, <laughs> oh my word uh quantified vibe check is i'm still getting the hang of the format to to do these in and i never really know how to do it with uh three stairway shots and a bucket of blood oh cool all right um i'm gonna give this uh i'm gonna give it this uh 11 uh domes because my word that ballet like that rehearsal room that they have in the dome is like incredible i want to go there i want to go there um but 11 11 paris opera house ballet domes out of mm, i i had a good one i forgot (laughs) (laughs) ain't that just the way out of out of 12 I, I, oh, that's right. Twelve unexpected screams. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Uh, yeah. And a recommendation from the margins. Go for it. Oh, you want me to go first? Uh, yeah. I was, yeah. I I had toyed with the idea of picking a ballet film, but like, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't want to be like, oh, you guys seen like, the do red? something like yeah. High Strung or, or Step Up? Do a dance movie. Yeah, I'm like, have you guys seen the Red Shoes? Whoa. Uh, no. Uh. It's just recently I've been in a headspace, I guess is what you'd call it. Uh, but I saw uh, this film called Ulysses Gaze, which is a Greek oh, yeah. film. By this, Theo. Is, this is the film that delayed our, our recording of, <laughs> of, of, this, of our Weekly Wiseman this week. And you know, I don't regret a thing because I, oh, yeah. I kind of loved it. So it it's, looks it, like it, your letterbox review uh, uh, says as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so it's it's a Greek filmmaker, uh, Theo Angelopoulos. Sorry if I'm pronouncing it uh, incorrectly. Um, and it stars Harvey Keitel as a character named Simply. Wait, what? Yeah, Harvey Keitel <laughs> has a great, great art house career. So if you haven't seen anything that he's done with like Abel Ferrara or Jane Campion. Um I'm in, I'm interested in knowing what you think. Him and like Willem Dafoe are like oh. like art house darlings, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. I I I mean everyone knows about Willem Dafoe now yeah, yeah. because of like the lighthouse and stuff like that. But. Yeah. And I like that, you know, with a, like this new generation of actors, you know, it it's been the people from Twilight. <laughs> yeah, been, no, it's been Chris yeah, Stewart, yeah, Robert Pattinson. It sure has been. Uh, whereas, um, you know, uh, in the nineties, it's like these dudes from crime movies, right. From like gangster and, 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 and mm-hmm. crime films. Um, but anyway, that's a fast, there should be an article written about that. Yeah. And for some reason in every single one of these indie movies that Harvey Keitel is in, he like gets nude. He gets naked in every single one. I don't oh, know if it's like it. a stipulation in his contract where it's like, I will help you finance your film, but you have to let me get naked. Uh, <laughs> but Anyway, yeah, I I, I, I digress. Uh, so he plays this this 
character named A, uh, who is a, a director who's been exiled from his country. And um, this takes place after the sort of dissolution of, of Yugoslavia in the 90s um, and the sort of conflict in the Balkans. Um, and he goes back to his home country for the first time in decades uh, to try to find the first film that was that was made uh, in there. And I think this might be one of the first films ever made, period, uh, by the Menakis brothers. Um, and it is, uh, t- today it's what would be called slow cinema. I don't know if that term was in circulation around that time. But it is very much in, in keeping with, you know, Greek, you know, narrative traditions. It's an odyssey. Uh, and it's 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 about the getting there, uh, and all the while, you know, he's taking, he's walking, he's taking trains, he's taking boats. At one point, he takes a boat with like a huge statue of Stalin that's like in dismembered, and he just floats it down to the sort of the next part of his journey. Uh, but it, it all the while, he's sort of seamlessly going through uh, his memories. He's like appearing in his own childhood memories. And the boundary between, you know, what his experience is as a, as a director that's coming back to, to uh, his, his hometown or his home country and uh, the sort of memories of his childhood, th- those boundaries are blurred. And then they're even more blurred because he starts, he also has these like he, moments where he embodies these hi- historical uh events that happen in Greece so for for one scene it sort of seamlessly transitions from him like walking you know from one place to another and suddenly he's uh being tied up and blindfolded and and put in front of a fake firing squad just off screen and exiled and you don't you're not quite sure if it's his if he's thinking about his own exile or these directors that were exiled um you know okay. uh, so it, 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 it's it's great yeah it's, where can it's, people find this that's the thing that is my 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 one one thing uh i screened it for class and we had a dvd that was a really bad rip there was like a lot of pan and scan to the point where you could not um you know really like get a full sense of the frame uh, in in a lot of shots. So a friend of mine tracked down a copy that's slightly better quality. But other than that, I don't know if it can be viewed digitally anywhere. And it's in okay. dire need of like a restoration, which right. is unfortunate. And I think that this is not going to be the last time that I'm like, here's a movie I really liked. Oh, by the way, you can't see it anywhere. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if people were maybe wanted to email... Um, oh my word! Or, this movie has or, a thirty-one percent in Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's weird. See, and it's got an eighty-nine percent audience score. <laughs> yeah, we we love that. It was kind of panned because in at, at Cannes, it premiered at Cannes. It won the uh-huh. the Grand Prix, which is the second highest honor. It lost yep. to Underground. If you've ever seen that, Emir Costa Rica. Uh, okay, that's another super long epic about the the Balkans, and uh, it's. To, to show you how different Underground is from Ulysses' gaze, uh, Underground was a huge inspiration for Boots Riley and Sorry to Bother You. So oh, that's the, cool. the sort of manic... Right, I'm in. Yeah. Oh, it's one of, Underground is one of my favorite movies like of all time. You should absolutely watch it. So this is a twofold. Okay. And Underground has a really nice Blu-ray transfer by 
uh, Kino Lorber, I think. Okay. Uh, but it's for sure more available than Underground. So if you haven't seen Emmerich Kusturica's Underground, or then you yeah, yeah, watch watch one of my favorite movies, please. Okay. Uh, but but it definitely, uh, I feel like, uh, um, Underground makes a better first impression. Which is why all the critics loved it and then hated Ulysses mm-hmm. Gaze and rated it low on their Rotten Tomatoes thing that's now archived. Okay. That's now archived from like a newspaper clipping. Um, but uh, Ulysses Gaze has has stayed with me. Uh, it, all right. It, it, I think it, it, yeah, has more lasting power. I guess. All right. A uh, couple things. One, um, I'm going to make uh, the rest of this episode kind of quick because I forgot to charge my computer and my computer's running out of battery. Um, but anyway, a uh, couple things. One, um, I've been staring at for the past few minutes at the international poster for Bad Lieutenant, and uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway. You see it all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, secondly, um, uh, for my recommendation for the margins, uh, I was thinking about, like, ah, it's too obvious to do Suspiria from 2018. Um, but what I, what I thought of actually at several points during this movie and specifically during the more abstract performances, the more horrific performances is it gave me the, it reminded me a lot of one of the best films from last year, which I could not rank. It was nowhere near my top 10 because of just how much it put, like it made me feel terrible kind of thing. And it's La Casa Lobo. Um, Oh, that's been on my list for so long. Yeah. It's a Chilean film. Uh, it's an animated film, and I don't really want to say anything about it except that it is a very, 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 very dark, rough movie. And I don't mean in, like, I'm not talking, like, you see violence or thematic. I'm just, like, this movie has such an atmosphere of a a press. It's oppressively dark. And it is, you can't take it. My jaw was on the floor for the entire hour and like 10 minute runtime or however long it is like it's not very long but my jaw was on the floor the entire time the soundscape of this movie is just driving its nails into your flesh and it's it's ridiculous and so and la danse gave me those kind of vibes and specifically that one scene that we talked about um uh but uh yeah so that that's my recommendation for the margins uh brilliant brilliant film you can rent it places um yeah it's uh you, but you have to you do have to be in the right headspace for that one and even then it, it'll still probably just make you feel really bummed out um but uh yeah next next week uh guess what um we're we're kind of making a, a circle we we started off with local politics we're going to state level politics, um, and we're going to the place that was in the news just a few like last week, the same uh, Capitol building uh, where uh, uh, children burn masks on its steps. We're going. We're next week. We're going to be watching Frederick Wiseman's 2007 film State Legislature, which is all about a 12-week session at the Idaho Capitol building in Boise. So oh, Boise. So where we had Boston, which was fairly left-leaning, we are now going to Idaho, which is a very different place. <laughs> um, so, so be yeah, prepared. It's grab three t- hours and 40 minutes. Grab your taters <laughs> and join us, won't you? Anyway, that's uh, that's that's pretty much it for, for this week's Our Weekly Wiseman. Uh, you want to plug yourself before my uh, computer runs out of battery? <laughs> <laughs> I'm at HeraldTXT on Twitter. 
And if you want to follow along with what I watch, I'm on Letterboxd at Schmerold, S-C-H-M-A-R-O-L-D. Thank you again for everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you especially, B. Oh, oh, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> you can find me, Twitter, Letterbox at Blue Gray Closet. You can find uh, us, Screens Margins. We're at uh, Screens Margins uh, on Twitter, at Screens Margins. Uh, you can find us on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Screens Margins, where we have, uh, in addition to the free podcast, we have bonus podcasts about Rainer Werder Fassbender, Lucrecia Martel, Dorothy Arzner. My computer is at 10%. Help me. Uh, <laughs> Let's get exporting. Also, Let's get exporting yeah, right now. Yeah, uh, we've got, in addition to that, you can vote on uh, what we review on our new releases podcast, Fresh from the Margins, um, as well as what you can what we review on Fossbender and His Friends, our Fossbender podcast. Uh, we've got upcoming projects that we've spent a lot of time on, and I'm going to still spend a lot more time on. Um, and so, yeah, we're working hard, and we're doing it for essentially free. So if you could, you could support us, it's not like you're just throwing away your money. You get stuff for your money. Um, you get ex, you get extra podcasts, all the all all this good stuff. It it really mean a lot. Um, but yeah, uh, that's 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 pretty much it. We know that there's a pull these days when it comes to films to focus only on the big and mainstream stuff. So thank you for spending time with us here today, here on the margins. Good night. Ah.